0: Welcome to Kevin Conner's podcast. This series of messages on the book of Ezekiel were recorded in Malaysia in August 2010. Be sure to get a copy of Kevin's newly released commentary on the book of Ezekiel, available in paperback and ebook formats from Amazon.com and as an immediate PDF download from KevinConner.org forward slash shop. Turn for this final session here. I've missed one session, but... uh We'll skip one for the present. Uh, Let's go to uh, pages 28 and 29. How many feel the the couple of sessions we did this morning helped you on the whole issue of Israel? Uh, We tried to honestly be a balanced approach between two extremes, and so we hope it helped everybody here all right now the uh, chapters we're going to look at now uh, lots of controversy over these chapters Uh, we call them the Gog and Magog chapters of Ezekiel uh, chapters 38 and 39 and the great conflict against Israel okay let's uh, just read a little bit of our notes here and then we're going to look at uh, some of the uh, chapter verses here all right there's different opinions above expositors as as the time element or the when uh, on on these chapters here. So number one, uh, some suggest it's the battle of Armageddon. Uh, and when that takes place, if it does, Armageddon out of it. How many are coming with me? All right, so some put it there. And then uh, uh, there's other expositors say it's the final battle at the end of the thousand year period in Revelation chapter 20. And then the third opinion is the great conflict when Israel is back in the land of Palestine, uh, the Middle East, and uh, when the people dwell uh, safe, uh, safely, question mark on that, um, yeah. So I, I, would be of opinion three. Okay. So if you want to know where I, I, uh, which view I hold, I would be of the opinion three. All right. So let's go to Ezekiel chapter thirty-eight and thirty-nine and uh, we'll go to chapter 38 and let's look at the time element first of all how many have been able to read the book of Ezekiel a bit through while we've been doing our sessions? okay so uh, let's go to Ezekiel 38 alright so the first thing uh, I'd be looking at in, in uh, This type of thing is when, letter A, when, uh, what's the time element involved? So Ezekiel 38 and these verses I've given you here give you some time element. So let's go to verse 8. uh, And it says, after many days you will be visited in the latter years. So the latter years, so time element the latter years and so when you go through expressions we'll see that in a moment latter years always refers to the end of the age or the end time then in verse 16 uh, just write off your notes here so don't be frustrated Uh, and thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud that cover the land it shall be in the latter days so latter days your time element Uh, and then verse 17 Thus says the Lord God, Art thou he of whom I have spoken in all time by my servants, the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years that I would bring thee against them. So many years, uh, uh, yeah, many years, prophesied for many years in those days that I would bring, bring you. So, so you've got your time element there in verse 8 and verse 16 of the latter years. The uh, Septuagint version says, In the last of the years, and uh, the Hebrew Bible Lesser uh, Translation, he says, in the end of years. So time it gives you that. Now let, uh, I'll just quote some of these verses here. What I've done, when you, uh, you know, these are my fixations as I've studied the Bible over so many years and gone through Schwank's concordance and other concordances over the years. This is what I've found. Hebrews chapter one. We won't turn it up unless you want to. But Hebrews chapter one. And verse 1 uses the expression, the last days. God, who at sundering times and in divers manners spake in times, in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, or in His Son. So Hebrews chapter 1 tells us when the last days begin. So uh, if, if, if we follow the theory of the thousand-year day uh, period, uh, a day of the Lord is a thousand years, thousand years at one day, we find that from Adam through to Jesus was approximately four days, four, thousand years, say God say, uh, Let me ask you a bit of a trick question here, but let me catch you. It gives me a sense of joy and fulfillment. okay? Uh, when God said to Adam, "In the day that you'll, you die, in the day that you eat, you 'll surely die." Did Adam die in the day he sinned?" Hammmy would say, "Yes." Spiritually, okay. Oh, you're very, you're sharp, okay. All right, those who say spiritually, he died in the 24-hour day he sinned. So in the day you sinned, but it's God that's talking because God said in the day that you sin, you'll surely die. Well, Adam lived 930 years and he left us a miserable 70. (laughs) Don't talk to him about that. Moses says that. So a day on the law is a thousand years. So no man's ever lived a day. All the patriarchs died, you know, they lived 800, 900 and so many years, but they all died within the day because God's talking in the day you sin, you'll surely die. So he died spiritually in the 24-hour day sin, but he died physically in the thousand-year day period. Okay? And then uh, I don't want to get uh, sidetracked onto that, but just give you that there is something there without setting dates that uh, God told Israel to take the lamb, Passover lamb, and keep the lamb for four days. And I wonder if any Israel, I thought, I wonder why God wants us to take the lamb on the tenth day and keep it for four days and kill it on the evening of the fourth day. Well, in the bigger picture, God often got people in the Old Testament to do typically what he himself was going to fulfill actually. So it's like an uh, illustration of this, uh, like Abraham as we've seen, is the father, and he had an only begotten son, Isaac. There's only two only begotten sons, Isaac of the Old Testament and Jesus of the New Testament. And it's like God said to Abraham, Abraham, you're a father, I'm a father. You have an only begotten son, Isaac. I have an only begotten son, Jesus. I want you to do typically with your only begotten son what I'm going to do actually with my only begotten son. So God often got people in the Old Testament to do that. So when it came to the Passover lamb, it's like God said, okay, I want you to take the lamb, the Passover lamb, keep it for four days. After you keep the lamb for four days, make sure it's a male, because by one man sent into the world, all the women said hallelujah. I would have said take a female by one woman sent into the world. Uh, But got to keep friends with everybody. Uh, And I wonder if any Israelite thought, I wonder why God wants us to keep this lamb for four days. But in the bigger picture, God kept his lamb. When when Adam and Eve sinned, God set aside his lamb, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, set aside, and four days later, 4,000 years, a day of the Lord is a thousand years, four days later, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. 4,000 years. So a day of the Lord is a thousand years. So without setting dates or anything like that. All right. So Joel chapter 2, uh, just look at your, your scriptures there. You needn't read them, I'll just say, when we need to. Uh, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. The last days began with the first coming of Jesus. Uh, and Joel, too, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Peter quoted in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. In the last days, this is what Joel the prophet said. Uh, Isaiah chapter 2, I'm talking to a very intelligent bunch of people who know the scriptures. This is. This is sickening. Really, I get a bit of a laugh over here. Nothing from over here. Okay, all right. So Isaiah chapter two, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established in the top of the mountain. Second Peter chapter three, the last days, perilous times are going to come, uh, and scoffers are going to come. Wait for some of you people. To eat here. I'd put you in the scoffers. <laughs> scoff down your food okay uh, and then Timothy so right through you find this expression the last days the latter days in the last days. so uh, as far as the time element is concerned uh, it's uh, I believe it's in the last days and the days that probably you and I are living in without being dogmatic then you'll notice uh, that it says this conflict is at least seven years before the coming, the second coming of Christ, as it would appear in chapter uh, thirty-nine. Let, let's go to thirty-nine. Keep your Bible open to uh, Zechariah. I mean, <laughs> uh, Ezekiel. Sorry, Ezekiel thirty-eight and thirty-nine. These are the Gog and Magog cha- chapters here. So we will just take it gently. Uh, in uh, chapter thirty-nine, and it says in verse uh, eight and nine. Uh, behold, it is come and it is done, says the Lord God. This is the day whereof I, I have spoken, that they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, whatever modern day weapons they could be referring to, both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows and the hand staves, spears, and they shall burn them with fire seven years. So whether you take that literally seven years or as it is, or uh, you know use it symbolically I think I just take it as it is uh, one of the principles of interpreting the scripture is this when the when the plain sense of scripture makes common sense seek no other sense or you'll land into nonsense <laughs> that, that's a good principle so when the plain sense of scripture makes common sense seek no other sense or you'll land into nonsense and some of the stuff I hear they say that is nonsense you must have eaten pork in a Jewish synagogue to come out with that. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay, so seven years, and then go to verse 10, which particularly pertains to Israel, especially Orthodox, so, they, uh, so that they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any uh, out of the forest, for they shall burn the weapons with fire, and they shall spoil those that spoil them and rob those that rob them, saith the Lord. And then... Uh, uh, oh seven years but I was looking for some oh yeah go go down to I thought I'd put it there oh it is there it's it's on my notes read your notes Kevin so burn the weapons over a period of seven years so if if we take that literally in the latter days must be before Christ comes and then uh, the next asterisk I've got there is cleansing the land of the dead for seven months which was uh, typical Israel so let's go to verse uh, 11 and it shall uh, come to pass in that day that I will give unto Gog uh, a place there of graves in Israel, the valley of the passengers on the east of the sea, and it shall stop the noses. It uh, must be pretty stinking. Uh, there they shall bury Gog and all his multitude, and they shall call it the valley of Haman Gog. And seven months shall the house of Israel be burying of them that they may cleanse the land. And you see that reflects back to Leviticus, that uh, Uh, If anybody died or they found a dead bone, it would defile the land and so they'd have to cleanse it. Same in verse 14, the last part there, to cleanse it after the end of seven months they shall uh, search. And the passengers that pass through the land when any seeth a man's bone. Then they shall set up a sign by it till the barriers have been. So cleansing the land and uh, dead bones of the dead body, people became defiled all right now on your notes there under letter a if this is so and so that's well, i'm not being too dogmatic this is how i understand it take it for what it's worth uh if this is so it's in a, inapplicable to number one above the battle of armageddon i mean when armageddon takes place as i said i'm getting out of it uh but are we going to have seven years after the battle of armageddon cleaning up uh, cleaning the land and whatever and then number two At the end of the thousand year, what I call a Christian millennium, which is an excellent book there on it. Uh, 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 Are we going to be doing that, you know, when we go into eternity? Uh, Not for me. So, So by process of elimination, it looks like it applies to number three, the great conflict when Israel is back in the land of Palestine, the Middle East, and when people dwell safely, question mark on that. All right, so that uh, that's covering letter A. All right, now, under letter B, who? So when is the time element, and B is who the nation's involved. All right, now, I want you to listen carefully to this because I've been amazed. I've been trying to gather material uh, on this over the years, and uh, it'll be coming up soon. Uh, no, not that one. no, not that one. not that one, not that one, not that one. Okay, just, just hold that a moment for the... Um, Mm. go to the next one for a moment just see and I'll go to the next one a moment I'll go to the next one uh, just uh, ju- just, hold that a moment now um, uh, we may have to switch back and forth just for sheer delight can you see all over there huh? are, are you having fun this morning yeah. are, is it fun learning the scripture so wow the Word of God okay now let's go to chapter 38 And bear with me as I read a few verses because we're going to do some interpretation. I've spelled it out pretty much for your feeble minds here. (laughs) Okay. Um, All right. So let's go from verse one. And I'll go to New King James here. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog. We'll we'll read a bit first. The prince of Rosh. Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him, not to him, against him, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and lead you out uh, with all your army, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them all of them with shield and helmet goma and all its troops the house of togomar from the far north and all its troops many people are with you prepare yourself and be ready uh, you and all your companies that are gathered about you and uh, be a guard to them after many days so many days you will be visited in the latter ye- years you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered for many people on the mountains of israel which had long been desolate. They were brought uh, out of the nations and now all of them dwell safely. I'll say, question mark on that part. All right, now, let's go to who, let it be here, the nation's involved. This is very interesting and uh, you may have to switch back and forth. Uh, Noel's done a marvelous job on this. I've asked him to lay hands on me. Um, a number of years ago, let's see where we'll go here Mm a number of years ago uh, it's it's on on the thing here but I'm going to hold up in a a Christian magazine that I got years ago it's got uh, revival days numbered and it was September 1950 I have a picture of a stamp (laughs) it's up there but I just want to show you the original thing so laughing with me not at me okay (laughs) Uh, So this was a picture of a stamp that was put out by Russia. And on the stamp you've got four horsemen because you see it says here uh, through the scriptures that you'll come like a cloud to cover the land. So you have four horsemen uh, covered uh, with a background of clouds here and they're riding from Russia down to Israel. This was put out years ago. Uh, So just give you a sight and then uh, w- this will be on the next one on the pencils. <laughs> I hold it up because you can't see it, but just to show you, you know, uh, I collect all these things. Years ago, Russia put out two pencils, and on these lead pencils, has got Gog and Magog. Where? 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 Uh, have it, no. Uh, uh, It's your fault. Yeah. Praise God for a scapegoat. you know. Yeah, okay. Well, you can't see it, but I'll hold it up. Uh, this was a picture of the two l- pencils that they put out and sold, and it's got it got on Gog and Magog. I- I'm only doing this to show you that uh, I believe that the country or the nation has identified itself. Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear Father, help these feeble minds. Yeah all right so just gives you so let's go to your sheet then we have spelled it out for you and as I said take it for what it's worth so Gog uh, uh, the, refer to the lead pencil which I've done and the land of Magog Gog is the name and the word Gog simply means prince you've got it on your notes there prince or the chief prince and Magog simply means the land of Gog okay in the Quran Uh, i don't know if you spell the quran that way but i i have the i bought myself the quran and in the quran it refers to gog and magog and suri 18 verses 90 to 94. if you've got a quran well worth looking at okay all right so there only for that part all right now what you'll find and this is where i think uh, uh, some confusion comes the origin of the name comes from a japhetic race just we're looking trying to look for uh, dead identification turn over to genesis chapter 10 genesis chapter 10 this is the first mention of gog and magog okay so we go back to the origin of the nations and in genesis chapter 10 uh verse 1 through to 5 hopefully i've got this right uh yes notice this uh We'll pick up in verse 1. Now, these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Remember, Ham is always in the middle, even in your sandwich. Okay? And unto them were born sons after the flood. Now, verse 2, the sons of Japheth. Now, note the names that are mentioned here. Gomer, that's in Ezekiel 38. And Magog, that's in Ezekiel 38. Madal, uh, Madal or Madai, is it, sorry and Javan, and Tubal, and Meshach. Tubal and Meshach are both mentioned in Ezekiel. So you have to go back to the original, the first mention. And this nation or these people come from, they're the sons of Japheth. Okay, that helps you there. Uh, And then the sons of Javan and so forth. By these were the isles of the Gentiles, divided in their lands, every one after his tongue, after their families in their nations then in verse 6 we won't read that but the sons of Ham and then later on it says the sons of, uh, of um, Shem and so forth so you've got to go back so the first mention of Gog and Magog and identifying it shows it's a Japhetic race and uh, I haven't got all my stuff with me but it's interesting to go through your nations today find the Shemite nations, the Hamite nations the Jephetic nations, where they are, and the distinctive nations and countries they're in. All right, so Gog, and then letter B on your notes here. It's also used of of a confederacy of nations that comes against Israel. That's what we're looking at in Ezekiel 38 and 39. And then I'd like you to go uh, to the book of Revelation, and this is the final mention of Gog and Magog, Uh, And as I've got in the notes here, it's used as a representative name for the wicked dead under Satan and his host. So Revelation chapter 20. So the first thing I did in trying to study this out and sort this out was, okay, let me go through the concordance and see Gog and Magog. So the origin is a Japhetic race from uh, one of the sons of Noah. And then it's used of a confederacy of nations that are mentioned in Ezekiel 38 and 39 and it's also used as a representative name for the wicked dead so listen to Revelation 20 and verses 11 through to 15 uh, and I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there's found no place for them I saw the dead uh, small and great is that, is that the reference I want Standing before God, books were open, another book was open. Uh, Have I got the right reference there? Which verse is it? Verse 7, is it? Oh, okay, sorry, okay. Make a correction in that there, it should be verse 7. Yeah, that's it, sorry about that. Uh, My computer's not yet converted. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle and the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth, compassed the camp of the saints, and about and the beloved city as the last mention of earthly Jerusalem. A fire came down uh, from God out of heaven and devoured them and the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire okay so on the expression Gog and Magog it's used in Genesis as uh, coming from the Japhetic race the son of Noah it's used of a confederacy of nations against Israel in Ezekiel 38 and 39 and then at see. I believe it's used as a representative name for the wicked dead under Satan and his host so Gog simply means the prince or the chief prince. And on the evil side, Satan is the chief prince, is the prince of the darkness of this world. So all those under him. And then Magog is the land of Gog. And then the Quran, as I said, uses Gog and Magog. All right, now let's go back to um, um, uh, Ezekiel again. And then I'll put here a list of the nations as I can understand, I've done a lot of research on this uh, in uh, Ezekiel. Where are we? So Ezekiel 38 uh, and so forth. So we go to uh, verse 3. So I'm against the Ogog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tobal. Now Meshach most of the expositors, you know, looked on this, they say Meshach is a name for Moscow. And you'll notice in Genesis 10, we've read that Magog, Tubal, and Meshach of the Japhetic, same time span as Israel. So uh, Moscow, they say Meshach is Moscow. And then uh, Tubal uh, is referred to as Tobolsk, Siberia. How many have been to Siberia? I was there for a conference uh, two or three years back uh, in Moscow and in Sib- Siberia. And then uh, the, the, these next ones are a little bit simpler. Persia, which is Iran, modern-day Persia, like Iraq and Babylon. And then uh, some of them say Russia and Iran, the Muslim populations there. And then the next one is pretty clear. Ethiopia. These nations are still with us. Ethiopia is of the line of Ham, Cush, and referred to in Genesis chapter 10, 6 to 20. And then Libya, uh, or Put, or Put, uh, referred to in Ezekiel, <laughs> whatever, Fut, <laughs> if you like. Anyway, one of those guys. <laughs> if I had a name like that, i changed change it to Kevin. Okay, <laughs> all right. And then and then number seven, the, so it just seems it's a confederation of nations that's going to be with Moscow or Russia on, on these things. And uh, it's very interesting that so many, well, oh, probably getting into thousands of Jews have left Russia to go back to the Middle East uh, for whatever reason. Some preachers are paying for their fares, everything like that. It's cheaper, so forth. Okay, then the next nation that's ver- um, uh, uh, one is uh, in verse six is Goma. And uh, this is of the line of Japheth also. Some say possibly East Germany, Prussian people. I put question mark after that. And then Togemar, the house of Togemar. And most of the expositors seem to agree with this. It's either Armenia or Turkey. Have we got a map on that, that one there, uh, Doctor? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no, don't go back to that one. Uh, I forgot that. I've, my mind's thinking in Melbourne Australia that's right uh, in Melbourne Australia if you want to come for a visit to Melbourne anytime I'll take you as you go down to a shopping arcade there we have these two statues, and they're both called Gog and Magog how did they ever get to Australia w- without it, m- me giving them a visa anyway and so I don't know who put this it's got excuse me Gog yes Magog you appear to have a bird's nest on your head and then it had a swear word uh, on the O. I said, I don't want that, that's not me. Okay, so interesting that these two statues have been in Melbourne for years in the arcade. You can walk down the arcade. It was about two o'clock, this was taken. Uh, Gog and Magog. So just helps you on identification. That's, a, that's all I did that for, like this stamp and these pencils. All right, so uh, Togomar, back to our notes here. Armenia and Turkey, or the Turkomans. Uh, most of them say and then it can be all inclusive many people with you okay so so we have that so when the time element in the latter years and then uh, why uh, who the nations involved and then why all right they're going to take a spoil Ezekiel 38 so what's this confederacy gathering against Israel for to come down against Israel okay Ezekiel 38 verse 16 says and you shall come from your place out of the north part. So notice the significance there, uh, north parts. And uh, over the years, you know, indulging in a little bit of this, the north parts, uh, you think of uh, where do the czars come from? Yeah, Russia. So ne- think of Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar and all the czars. Uh, uh, the north. See? And see, Babylon was in the north, Iran's in the north, and Russia's in the north, so north parts gives you a bit of a clue. Uh, There are many people with them, all of them riding upon horses. Uh, Great company and mighty army, and thou shalt come up against my people, Israel, as a cloud to cover the land. Now, you just just glance again at that. There's the cloud, and uh, they still say, even after all these years, you ask the... Uh, those who are involved in the second uh, first world second world war were Germany and so forth, Russia still has the greatest cavalry in the world, all riding on horses, and the first one here has a red flag as they ride down there so i 'm sure there 's a lot of significance in those things all right, so uh, what does they say uh, is the cloud to cover the land shall be in the latter days? and so forth. All right now the verse I'm after is 16b yes I've got that and 17c uh, that the prophets have spoken of. Okay so uh, enemy against, enmity against Israel and uh, they say the riches of the Dead Sea uh, you know that have never really fully been tapped and so it's God that's behind the thing the sovereignty of the Lord there He says I'm going to put a hook in your jaw. Um, boy, uh, so as we, we talked about last night, God is over the nations. All right, letter D, next page here. Where from? All right, we've already referred to that. From the north, like a cloud to cover the land. So in verse 6, it says that. Uh, from Gomer and all his bands, the house of Togemar, of the north quarters. So the north. Then in verse 15, we've already read that. The north parts. And then chapter 39 and verse uh, 1 and 2 we read, Therefore, thou son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus saith the Lord, God, behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee, and will cause thee to come up from the north parts and bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. So pretty clear on direction there. So remember Babylon was in the north, We think of Iraq, modern-day Iraq, and so forth, and Russia in the north. All right, now what, letter E, Ezekiel 38, verse 13, there's a challenge there. There's a challenge to the northern confederacy by some nations here. And so this is found in verse 13. Uh, let's Let's go to verse 10 or verse 9 to lead into it. Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm, you will be like a cloud to cover the land. You and all your bands and many people with you. So it can be include a lot of other people. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall also come to pass that at the same time shall things come into your mind and thou shalt think an evil thought. And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest, uh, that dwell safely. I question that part how safe they are. All of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. What for? To take a spoil? to take a prey, to turn thy hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited and uh, we've just got to recognize that since Israel has been back in the land they've made it like the Garden of Eden, the trees, uh, a lot of the Orthodox Jews have been studying the Bible where the mines were, where fruit would grow, Uh, I mean just uh, it is a sign, there's no doubt a sign, but you don't worship a sign you know we got over here sign Exit you don't go up to the exit sign and say oh what a wonderful sign let me give you a hug in the name of Jesus you know a sign points to something so this is sign pointing to something okay and then you'll notice in verse 13 the nations that question uh, upon the people gathered out the nations which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land now the nations mentioned here what are they going to do Sheba and Dedan the mer- merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof, shall say to, uh, unto thee, or unto you, Are you come to take a spoil? Have you gathered your company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil? So some nations are going to question, and we see the, under letter E, Sheba, uh, most of the commentaries seem to say this, Arabic, Sheba, the tribes of Yeoman, uh, Didan, uh suggested northwest arabia saudi arabia and yemen uh Tashis, merchants uh and uh, looking up a number of commentaries on this trying to find some identification uh suggested india ceylon ceylon uh, maybe even including burma uh, malaysia sumatra and it's interesting how many nations do have the lion you know the british and singapore and What do you have here? Do you have a tiger? Oh dear, they're both both bad, aren't they? Uh, And then number four here, the young lions. Think of the nations that used the symbol of the lion, particularly in the uh, days when the British Commonwealth, uh, where the sun never set. So only time's going to tell, but these are some of the identifications I found here. Now, let's go to letter F here. And uh, we want to look at the great shaking and we'll find this in uh, chapter 38 and verses 18 to 23 and it shall come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel says the Lord God and you see by process of elimination we say okay have these chapters ever happened if they have who were the nations that came were all these nations listed there or is what's happening in the whole middle east uh, agitation today preparing for that i personally on that side that i think the whole agitation the middle east and the surrounding nations uh, i think god's after israel he wants to pour his spirit on them get their eyes open but i think the middle east is going to be real hot potato uh before we're through here okay so where was up to verse 18 uh that my fury will show in my face for in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heaven, the beasts of the field, all creeping, uh, and all men who, where are we, all creeping things. That's right. They creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of theirs shall shake at my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down, the steep places shall fall. All these are the effects of earthquakes which are increasing everywhere. Uh, and every wall shall fall to the ground. I will call uh, for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother, and I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him, on his troops, and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding, rain, great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Some they some actually say this is referring to uh, sort of uh, some uh, atomic... A catastrophe that's going to happen uh, it ends up in verse uh, 23 thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself and I'll be known in the eyes of many nations then they shall know that I am the Lord so a b- big shaking so verse 19 20 the shaking and shake at my presence a great earthquake and then verse 21 the sword I'll call for a sword um, and then what you've got on your notes there, rain, hailstones, fire, and brimstone. Just, uh, it's the language of Sodom and Gomorrah, whatever that may be. Amplified Old Testament says a great earthquake and cosmic catastrophe. You might like to just to um, add this. I put down that in the, in the scripture, there are seven things that are going to be shaken. Let me just uh, uh, say them out to you. You might like just to put on on your notes. The great shaking. Number one, God says in Isaiah chapter 2, I'll just give you the chapters here, that He's going to shake, rise and shake terribly the earth. So, shaking the earth. Number one. Number two, in uh, Isaiah chapter 13, second thing that God says He's going to shake, uh, Isaiah 13 verses 9 to 12, He says, I'm going to shake the heavens. The stars of heavens, the constellations, the sun and the moon will be darkened. I'm going to punish the world for their iniquity. I will shake the heavens. So number two, shaking the heavens. Number three, uh, I'm not going too fast. Number three, the next thing God said He would shake, He would shake the powers of the heavens. And the Greek word for power there is dunamos, dunamos, or the forces of heaven. The uh, Swang Sin says specifically a miraculous power uh, by implication, uh, implication a miracle itself, a dunamai is going to shake the powers of the heavens. And this is found in uh, Matthew chapter 24 when Jesus speaks of it. Matthew 24 verses 29 to 31. So shaking the powers of heaven. Um, and I suggest here that the powers of them is not only going to shake the heavens but the powers of the heaven has to do with principalities and powers in heavenly places because heavenly places Satan's kingdom. So war in heaven, Revelation 12 talks about. So shaking the heavens. Then number four, he's going to shake the land of Israel. So he's going to shake the earth, terribly the earth going to shake the heavens, going to shake the powers of the heavens. Number four, he's going to shake the land of Israel. Let me give you a couple of scriptures from Ezekiel here. Ezekiel 37 and verse 7. And that's under the uh, figure of the boneyard there. Great shaking. Ezekiel 37 verse uh, 7. And then Ezekiel 38, which is on your note there. uh, The land of Israel. Then I want you to turn over to um, Zechariah chapter 12 for a moment. Zechariah chapter 12. And uh, we referred to this be- before, but Zechariah chapter 12, and uh, just put down verses 1 through to 4 for the moment. Oh, on a little bit, we'll, because it so, so fits in. Okay, so Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel. Not against Israel, but for Israel. So it's a burden. And it's the burden of the word of the Lord. So the prophets are given a burden, a word of the Lord, and it's like a burden on their heart until they deliver it. So the burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, says the Lord, which stretch forth the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, and forms the spirit of man with him. Now, note verse 2. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about. And there's no doubt that Jerusalem is a hot potato. It's a cup of trembling. Anybody who touches, uh, President Obama, he's talking about dividing the city or else giving the city uh, to the Arab people. So lots of controversy that's going on over this city. And you see, I believe that Jerusalem is going to come into more prominence, uh, the earthly Jerusalem in the last days, because uh, as I understand the Book of Revelation, the two witnesses are going to be there. Moses and Elijah. They turned up on the Mount of Transfiguration in the first three and a half years. They'll turn up in Jerusalem in the last three and a half years. Remember, these two witnesses have got power to turn the waters to blood. Whoever did that, Moses, and smite the earth with plagues as often as they did, as they will. Who did that? Who did that? Moses. And why is it that the tribulation saints sing the song of Moses and the Lamb? Because he's one of the witnesses. And then the other witnesses, uh, they, they have power to close up heaven for three and a half years. Who's the one that did that? Elijah. See, I mean, even though it doesn't specifically mention, there's enough identification there when we understand the language of Scripture. So I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup of trembling, uh, uh, the New King James says a cup of drunkenness some translations say it's a cup of poison so it's going to be a cup of poison everybody in all the disunited nations I <laughs> oh, no, the united nations the, uh, disunited what to do with Jerusalem how do we handle this it's going to get worse how many are glad for the heavenly Jerusalem three of us I'll make jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about when they shall be in the siege both against judah and against jerusalem no number two so it's not only a cup of trembling a cup of drunkenness a cup of poison verse three gives another figure and in that day i will make jerusalem a burdensome stone a very heavy stone for all peoples all who Uh, all the burden themselves with it will be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered against it. I think what's happening in Jerusalem, and it's going to get worse, uh, I'm safe on that. In that day, says the Lord, uh, I will smite every horse with astonishment, and his rider with madness. But notice the prophecy now, which we talked about before, I will open my eyes upon the house of Judah. God has closed his eyes, turned it from them, his blood be on us and our children but now he's going to open his eyes and then uh, notice in verse 7 another prophetic and I believe this is happening these days the Lord also shall save the tents of Judah first that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem do not magnify themselves against Judah and in that day the Lord shall defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem uh, and he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David, and the house of David will be as God, as the angel of the Lord. It shall come to pass in that day I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. So I think we're in for troublesome times there, but God visiting the, 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 the people of Israel, opening his eyes. So going to shake everything that can be shaken. While we're in it, while we're in this chapter, let's go on to verse 10. We've already done this in the restoration of Israel. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. They're under the spirit of the law. But now the spirit of grace is an outpouring of the spirit. And what's going to be their response? They will look upon me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him. as one mourns for his only son. When they, when they get their eyes open, as so many Jews are coming to Christ now, so we rejected Christ for 2,000 years, and they just mourn for their nation. It's happening already. I believe it's gonna increase. Mourning for an only son. You only mourn for a son when you've lost him. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. And notice in verse uh, 10, 11, 12, 13 the use of the word mourning. In that day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem, as the mourning of Hadad-Rimon in the valley of Megiddo, And the land shall mourn, every family apart, the family of the house of David apart, the royal house. And their wives apart, the family of the house of Nathan, the prophetical house. Their wives apart, the family of the house of Levi, the priestly and their wives and uh they say that some of them that they're already training priests now we don't believe it or endorse it they say this is what's going on that they have the red heifer over there preparing some sons of levi uh, for the sacrifice in due time so lots of things happening there and i'm glad god's on the throne aren't you all right so i said all that to say that God is going to shake the land of Israel going to be a great shaking. Number five, the fifth thing that God says He's going to shake is He's going to shake the sea. Luke 21 and verse 25. You think what's happening with the tsunamis that are increasing, earthquakes are increasing, tsunamis are increasing. There's just no end. uh, what is a tsunami? It's a Japanese word, but an earthquake that's under the ocean that creates tidal wa- waves and all this tidal waves, oceans shaking the sea. And you think uh, under the, under in the book of Revelation when the trumpets sound and the uh, the, the bowls of wrath, they touch the sea, the rivers of water, ships, sea give up their dead. There's just you know God is just shaking. So I believe God is shaking everything that can be shaken to try and get man's attention. Then number six, two more here. Number six, he's going to shake the nations. Isaiah says that the nations are like a drop in the bucket, as the dust on the scale. So all nations are being shaken today. Um, Why don't you turn to uh, Jeremiah chapter 25, How many are finding that the prophets is more in the prophets than we realize? Go to Jeremiah chapter 25. And I believe this is happening in the whole thing today with the whole economic shake-up and the climate change and all these things they're talking about. Go to Jeremiah 25 and verse 15. And it says, Thus says the Lord God of Israel to me, Take this wine cup wine cup, of fury from my hand and cause all the nations to whom I send you to drink it. And they will drink and stagger and go mad because of the sword that I will send among them. Then I took the cup from the Lord's hand and made all the nations drink to whom the Lord had sent me. Jerusalem starts with Jerusalem and the cities of Judah. Kings and princes make them a desolation. Pharaoh, king of uh, just go through some of the nations that we talked about last night a bit Pharaoh king of Egypt verse 20 all the mixed multitude all the kings of the land of us all the kings of the land of the Philistines namely Ashkelon, Gaza, Ekron uh, think of Gaza, the remnant of Ashdod, Edom Moab the people of Ammon we looked at that last night all the kings of Tyre that's mentioned by Zeke. all the kings of Sidon that's there Kings of the coastlands, Didan, Tima, Buzz, all those in the father's court. All the kings of, uh, of Arabia, think of the whole, you know, S- Saudi Arabia and so forth. All the kings, all the kings of Zimri, all the kings of Elam, the kings of the Medes, mention all the kings of the north, far and near. One with another, all the kingdoms of the world, which on the face of the earth, also the king of Shishak and Shishak is another name for Babylon so it begins with Jerusalem the cup and the sword the cup and the sword all the nations and notice in verse 28 or verse 27 therefore you shall say to them thus says the Lord of hosts the God of Israel drink and be drunk and vomit you get drunk you perk fall and rise no more because of the sword which I have sent among them and shall be if they refuse to take the cup from your hand to drink, then you shall say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, you shall certainly drink. Then it goes on and on about the sword. So, shaking the nations. Put down, um, it's not on your notes, Haggai chapter 2, Haggai chapter 2, verse 6, 7, and 21. Haggai 2, verse 6, 7, and 21, where he says, I'm going to shake all the nations. So think what's happening in the USA. What's happening in Europe? I say in a few years' time, Europe will no longer be Europe as we know it. Think what's happening in Iran, Iraq, Japan, Russia. What's happening in Russia? Nationally economic, what's happening in China? Uh, the world, the, the lots of talk about a new world currency in order to collapse the almighty dollar, uh, you know, yeah. So, I, I just believe God is shaking the nations. He's gonna shake the nations, shake everything that can be shaken, spiritually, nationally, economically, industrially, spiritually, governmentally, politically, religiously, socially, philosophically, morally, everything. The Arab nations. And then number seven, let's look at this last scripture on this part. I just want to give you a good scripture so you're not shook up over what I'm saying. Okay, where are we? Hebrews chapter 12. And Hebrews chapter 12, he sort of brings it all together. In fact, I really need to um, go to Hebrews chapter 2 first of all, I think it is. And then we'll go to Hebrews 12. Yeah, Hebrews chapter 2. Everybody still breathing? All right, listen to Hebrews 2 and verse 3. And he asks a question which is not uh, answered till we get to chapter 12. So in uh, Hebrews 2 verse 3 it says, How shall we escape if we neglect, not if we reject, but if we neglect so great salvation? So it's a question. How shall we escape? Okay, let's go to Hebrews twelve twenty-five for the answer. So in verse 25 of Hebrews 12, it says, See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Question is asked in chapter 2, verse 3. How shall we escape? The answer is found in chapter 12. We will not escape. Not if we reject, but if we neglect. Let me read the whole passage now. Back to verse 25 of Hebrews 12. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refuse him that spoke on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth But now he is promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heavens. Oh, we've already done that, the shaking. And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken, that can be shaken, and as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. He's going to shake everything that can be shaken. But I'm glad for verse 28. Amen? read it wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken hallelujah let us have grace by which we may serve god acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our god is a consuming fire so in the midst of all the shaking we as believers we are in an unshakable kingdom so let's go through those seven things again number one he's going to shake terribly the earth Number two, he's going to shake the heavens. Number three, he's going to shake the powers, the dunamite or the principals of the heavens. Number four, he's going to shake the nation of Israel. Number five, he's going to shake the oceans, the sea. Think of tidal waves, tsunamis and so forth. He's going to shake the nation, shake all nations, a cup and a sword as God shakes the nations. And the number seven, he's going to shake, and shake everything that can be shaken. But we belong to a kingdom that can never be shaken. That is worth a little hallelujah. Amen. Unshakable kingdom. All right, just for a few more moments. Let's go back to uh, Ezekiel again. So under letter G. Letter G, I'm not sure that I need. No, I don't need to sort of repeat that. Go back to uh, uh, Ezekiel. Okay, uh, under letter G, I don't need to mention that again. We've already looked at those verses. Seven years, if we take that, uh, literally burning the weapons of war. Seven months cleansing the land because of the stench of the dead. And then uh, under letter H, let's go to Ezekiel 39. And I've called this a counterfeit communion. So in Ezekiel 39 and verse 17, it says here, and as for you and, uh, yeah, as for you, Son of Man, thus says the Lord God, speak to every sort of bird and to every beast of the field, assemble yourselves and come, gather together from all sides to my sacrificial meal, which I am sacrificing for you, a great sacrificial meal on the mountains of Israel, that you may eat flesh and drink blood, So except you eat my flesh, drink my blood. This is like a counterfeit communion. You shall eat the flesh of the mighty, drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams, lambs, goats, uh, bulls, symbolic also, Uh, all of them fatlings of Bashan, you shall eat fat till you are full, drink blood till you are drunk, at my sacrificial meal, which I am sacrificing you shall be filled at my table, so it's it's like a counterfeit communion, horses and riders of mighty men, all the men of war, okay, that's the picture we have, so my sacrifice, my table. And then letter I as we finish here. uh, The chapter ends up with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Revival and outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Israel. So it relates to the message we did before, restoration of Israel. I believe it consummates in an outpouring of the Spirit. Let's go to Ezekiel 39 as we wrap up here. Uh, Just glance over there, uh, verse 21. I'll set my glory among the heathen. All the heathen shall see my judgment. So this is my understanding that when God visits the nation of Israel and pours out his spirit, uh, steps in in the midst of all the catastrophe of this, uh, uh, this invasion, of this uh, confederation uh, of the different nations mentioned there, God will pour out his spirit. Nations will say, "Eh, Israel does belong to God. God will bring them to himself. So in verse uh, 22, So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day and forward. And the heathen shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity, because they transpa- uh, tra- transpa- uh, trespassed against me. Therefore I hid my face. See, uh, Zechariah says, I'm going to open my face on them. Hid my face from them, gave them into the hand of their enemies. So, th- f- so fell they all by the sword. According to the uncleanness and their transgressions I've done I hid my face from them, but now I will bring again the captivity of Jacob, have mercy upon the whole house of Israel, and you can just read on and on verse twenty nine neither will I hide my face any more from them, for I have poured out my spirit, the spirit of grace and supplication, they will mourn, I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, says the Lord God now. Did that all happen at Pentecost in measure? But then the nation was scattered, the temple was destroyed, and they've never had a temple since. In the last number of years, God's been bringing a remnant back to Israel, the the land there, hot, hot potato. And the worst is yet to come. But I'm glad we're in a kingdom that can never be shaken. Everybody said amen. amen. So just read the rest of those chapters. I think I'll brainwash you enough this morning. Zechariah 12:13. 13 uh, Zechariah 13 says uh, they'll say to me what are these wounds in your hands? And he says these are the wounds I received in the house of my friends. So as we finish here the nations understand why? Uh, we end up saying may we be like the men of Issachar who had understandings of the times to know what Israel ought to do and we must watch and pray. Here endeth the third lesson. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching. Visit kevinconnor.org for more information.